I, I can't believe it. Wayne, you were alert. <laughs> you actually noticed that something wasn't right. Okay. Uh, God bless you. I love to harass Wayne because he turned so red. And the, uh, 17 verse 14 says, When they were come to the multitude, there came to, to him a certain man kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is lunatic and sore vexed. For oftentimes he falleth into the fire and oft into the water. And I brought him to thy disciples that they could not cure him. Then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him hither to me. Now, just to, just to say this, I don't think that he was talking to the son, the lunatic son, I don't, you know, the, and that's the way the term is, is, is here in the Bible. I don't think he was uh, uh, talking to the son or to, to the father. I think he's talking to, uh, to his disciples at this point. But, but then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him hither to me. And Jesus rebuked the devil, and he departed out of him. And the child was cured from that very hour, then came the disciples to Jesus apart and said, Why could not we cast him out? And Jesus said unto them, Because of your unbelief. For verily I say unto you, If you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you shall say unto this mountain, Remove hence to yonder place, and shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. How be it, this kind goeth not out, but by prayer and fasting. This kind goeth not out by, by, but by prayer and fasting. It's, it's such a very important uh, passage of Scripture where the Lord's emphasizing that uh, when, when you've got, when you've got a, a, a very uh, intense devil, so to speak, when you've got an intense situation like this, when you've got a city like Memphis that's just overrun with sin, when you've got a nation that's just being bombarded and attacked by every kind of satanic force that you can imagine, uh, God's saying that it's going to take more than just your everyday prayer. It's going to take more than that. It's going to take a relationship with God superior to that, a closest to God. And so uh, before we have our prayer, we're going to go to Mark chapter 5 now. Go to Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5. And we'll begin at verse 1. We're going to look at another situation. It says in Mark chapter 5, verse 1, And they came over unto the other side of the sea into the country of the Gadarenes. And when he was come out of the ship, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit, who had his dwelling among the tombs, and no man could bind him, no, not with chains." because that he had been often bound with fetters and chains, and the chains had been plucked asunder by him, and the fetters broken in pieces, neither could any man tame him. And always, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying and cutting himself with stones. And when he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and worshipped him. Now, uh, before I even go any further there, I just want you to recognize that, that you know, there's a real, uh, it started, I, I'm not really sure how many years ago, but, but it's been many years ago that we started working with it, but, but uh, this thing of cutting 
yourself. The self-mutilation, it, is, it became almost epidemic and is truly still almost epidemic in especially teenage girls, younger teenage girls, but, but it's happening across the board, this cutting. There's a lot of what they call body art that really is nothing more than, than self-mutilation. And, and, uh, and where did it all start? Well, here's, here's an example of how far back it really goes. As you look at it, it says, uh, and always night and day, he was in the mountains and in and tombs crying and cutting himself with stones. You see, it's, it's this, this oppression that comes in, it takes them to such a point that it's really a self-destruct. Now, there's a lot of things into it, and I've preached and taught not here uh, about this cutting, and, and you know, there's a lot, of, there's a euphoria that comes through it and all kinds of different things, and a self-release that comes through it. And all. I, I'm not going into that tonight, but the, the fact is, is that there's an abuse of the body because the body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, and the devil wants the body destroyed. He wants it destroyed. So, but verse 6, it says, But when he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and worshipped him. And now I want you to notice this. This man who has this, this demonic spirit inside of him, so much in torment that he is he's cutting himself. He's in the tombs. And if you can imagine the degradation there, uh, as he's living in these tombs, the stench and the filth and the... Uh, you know, okay, Brother Ben Singer's worked with the, the homeless, and sometimes when they're out there in that situation, they, there's so much uh, that goes on and so much degradation that they, they get body sores and, and, and just their body literally in places is rotting. And, and, and can you imagine a man living in this environment, in the darkness, in the tombs, in the, where bodies are rotting around him as they, as they place these bodies in these tombs. And so here's where he's living. And it says, when he, but though when Jesus approaches him, it says when he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and worshiped him. Now, and then it says in verse 7, and he cried with a loud voice. Now, this is amazing. He ran to worship him. This is going to be a whole other topic, but, but I want you you'll just put it into your mind and think about it. Here's this man under torment, runs to worship Jesus, and the word worship is like a, a dog licking his master's hand. That means he came to that kind of worship to Jesus, and immediately, though, this is what he does. And cried with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou son of the most high God? I adjure thee by God that thou torment me not. It's amazing. Jesus is not the one that's going to torment him. Verse 8, it says, for he said unto him, Come out of the man, thou unclean spirit. And he asked, What is thy name? And he answered, saying, My name is Legion, for we are many. And he besought him uh, much that he would not send them out of the country. Now there were, was there nigh to the mountains a great herd of swine feeding. And all the devils besought him, saying, Send us unto the swine that we may enter unto them. And forthwith Jesus gave them leave, and the unclean spirits went out and entered into the swine, and the herd ran violently down a steep place into the sea. And they were about 2,000 and were choked into the sea. And they that fed the swine fled and, and told it in the city and in the country. And they went out to see what it was that was done. And they come to Jesus and see him that was possessed with the devil and had the legion sitting and clothed in his right mind, and they were afraid. 
And that's always amazed me. He's in his right mind. It's kind of like the world is about Christianity today. They, 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 why is there such an intense hatred in Hollywood? Why is there such an intense hatred in liberalism towards Christianity? Why is there such an intense hatred? Fear. It's fear. They actually fear. And here's a, a man that while he was possessed of a demon... I guess it was okay. He's out there running around in the tombs. But now that he's clothed in his right mind, they fear him. Now, I know you're thinking, how does this have anything to do with fasting? Well, we'll I, I'm not sure, but we'll probably get to it. <laughs> Let's pray. Father, I pray that you bless. Lord Jesus, I, I ask you, please, guide my mind, my thoughts. Lord, there's so much here. But Lord, I pray, please, Holy Spirit of God, I yield myself to thee and ask you to fill me with your presence, your power. I can say nothing, do nothing to help anyone. But Lord, you can. So I yield myself to thee. I ask for your fresh anointing for this moment, for this time, this place. Please build a mighty hedge about us and keep out the evil one from us, please. In Jesus' name. Amen. Ultimately, what we see here is two different situations. One mentions fasting and the other does not. And there's going to be a reason for that reason. I'm reading both of these before we finish up. But what I want to, you know, as we talk about fasting, here's the, the key statement about fasting. It's not fasting alone. It's not this issue of fasting. It's fasting and prayer. You see, fasting in itself is not really complicated. You just stop eating. People, you know, want to know, how do I fast? I say, well, just quit eating. Uh, what do you do? You stop eating. But that's not really a spiritual fast. That's a diet. When you fast and don't eat, you stay away from all food or refrain from specific types of food for a set amount of time because there's a lot of different types of fasting. It's believed that in Daniel, Daniel didn't stop eating. He fasted from the king's meat and from the dainties and from the wine. He fasted from all of that, that type of thing. Uh, now, refraining from all food makes you the hungriest. I mean, refraining from everything makes it more intense. It's, it's just the way it is. And so the duration of, the, of a fast may be uh, a, a, a single meal. It may be a day. It may be a week or in some cases, cases even longer. Uh, the very first time that I ever did what I call an extended fast was for 10 days in 19, uh, oh, I guess it's probably about 92, something like that. Uh, my mom was diagnosed with cancer and they were going to do a surgery on her and and, and I just, God spoke to my heart and said, you know, told me not to eat until she had surgery. And she didn't have surgery for 10 days later. And, and, uh, and God worked a miracle. He didn't take the cancer completely away, but it, it, they said it was the size of a grapefruit inside of her body. And when they got in, it was the size of your thumbnail. And I'm not sure why he shrunk it down like that, why God did that and left it. I'm not sure, but I know he gave her five more years of life and that was wonderful. But it, it can be... The, the length of time is, is really not the, so much the issue. And, and the truth is, is that it's, really, it's more of an intense heart issue, I believe. Fasting from food can be done for a variety of purposes. It can be done for physical reasons. You know, the truth is you ought to fast uh, you know, uh, periodically just for health reasons. 
A good three-day fast is really good just to cleanse out your body. So abstaining from food alone doesn't constitute a Christian fast or a fast that we're, we're talking about that we want to start here at the first of the year. Instead, a Christian fast is accompanied by a special focus on prayer during the fast. Now, this is vital that we understand this. Often substituting the time you spend eating for praying. Now, that, that's something that we, we should do. Now, it's not always uh, the, the best or the easiest thing to do because, uh, you know, when you're on an especially extended fast, if everybody else around you is not, you don't want to be totally unsociable and you wanna, don't want to act like poor me. And you can sit down with everybody. And you can have a, a, a glass of juice or something while everybody else is, is eating. That's what I did with my family on every extended fast I've ever had. I never left from the table. I just said, I want to sit here at the table, have conversation with you, be with you. And I, and I would do that. Then, in many, But many, uh, in fasting today, it's, it's really in many churches today, it's become a lost discipline. We don't talk about it much. We don't do it much. It's, it's something more that's been lost. And, and I thank God that he placed upon my heart many years ago. Well, I say many years ago. It's probably about 12 years ago. Uh, maybe, uh, maybe a little longer than that, uh, when God first started putting on my heart that, that I should fast for, for longer fasts, an extended fast. But it's, a, it's kind of a lost discipline today. It, it's rarely, if ever, discussed or practiced, yet in spite of its decreased emphasis, there, there's a, a host of reasons why we ought to fast. There's a, there's a very important reason. That's what I'm going to try to go through really fast tonight. Okay. Uh, fasting has always been considered standard operating procedures for Christians. You know, if you go into the scripture, you find out fasting has been common practice by God's faithful throughout history. The Old Testament includes a multitude of, of examples of the Israelites fasting when seeking the Lord's blessing or direction. The New Testament records Jesus himself fasted, as did church leaders of the early Christian church. People fasted in the Bible. Listen, Jesus didn't talk too much about fasting during his ministry, but the one time when he provided specific instructions on fasting, Matthew chapter 6, here's what he says. He started by saying, when you fast, not if you fast. And I want you, we have to notice what God says and put a lot of emphasis on what he says. When he says, when you fast, that's telling us there ought to be some time that we do. Hey, I know we just got out of Christmas. It's a terrible time to be talking about not eating. Okay? When I was back at the college, they, they, they come back from the, the holidays, and I, and I could look on their faces in chapel, and I'd say, man, you're in sugar withdrawals right now because this is the longest period of time that you've gone over the last two weeks without walking by someplace and picking up something to eat because it's always sitting on the counter. And, and Joe Beth, if you can hear me in the nursery, throw it away! It's all sitting on the counter, and you just can't help but go by there and grab it. But now, although Jesus assumes that his followers will fast, he never instructs the people on the frequency or the duration of the fast. That's why it's really, okay, a lot of people believe that, that you know, some, they make defensive statements. They'll say, you know, okay, I think you need to do this long of a fast, or you need to do it this way. Jesus did not give specifics about the fast. He said, when you fast. Now, I think we have some, some implications in there. We have some different places that other people fasted. 
And, and we, we know that Jesus truthfully went, you know, longer than humanity can really go without food or water uh, at one point. But, but, the, but the fact is, is that here's what I believe, and, and, and I, hopefully you'll understand this, but I think that it's best left up to individuals as prompted by the Holy Spirit. You say, Brother Hooker, then why are you having a corporate fast? This is, a, this is what I want you to do. I'm wanting you between now and next Tuesday to just ask the Lord, what would you have me to do? If that's to, to give up sugar after Christmas, okay. If that's to stop eating meats for three days, okay. If that's to give up a meal one day, okay. If, if, it's, if it's to go on a three-day fast and you just drink water, I probably wouldn't go on longer than three days if you've never really fasted. That's going to be a long time, and you'll get a mighty week on that, three days with just water. Uh, I don't know, but, but, but I believe that the Lord ought to lead you. I've told young people a lot because I've talked a little bit. I never talked about my fast during my fast, but I would talk about them after my fast. And, and, and as I teach on them and, and some of the things you learn, uh, they would say to me, you know, I, I, I want to do that. I want to I do a 40-day fast. Well, I'd say, did you do it? You want to do it because you heard what, what happened during mine through what, what, I, what I've learned? Or are you doing it because you feel like the Holy Spirit's telling you to do it? Because every extended fast I've ever done, I felt led by the Holy Spirit to do it. I felt impressed. I'll be honest with you. I have not, I don't feel like I've been physically able to fast since I had the surgeries nearly four years ago. I, I thought, you know, the body is so depleted. If I went through another extended fast, that, you know, I might just crash and burn. I just may not make it, you know, but... But, but I just felt like, okay, it's time now. It's time now to do another fast. And so I believe you ought to pray about it and ask the Lord what he'd have to do. Fasting provides self-discipline in an undisciplined age. Fasting really challenges our discipline. And, and honestly, we're, we're not much in a real strong discipline age. The age in which we live despises discipline when when was the last time you saw a TV commercial with a slogan like one of these? Buy this TV later when you can actually afford it. <laughs> Eat just one of our chips so you can have some tomorrow. Uh, do you really need a new car? Your old one still works fine. Or friends don't let friends drink, period. No, they're not there. They're always advertisements trying to get us to do what we want to do in the first place. Fasting offers, offers a way to impose self-control in your life. It gives you a, it kind of a, just a slap in the face, a splash in the face to awaken you to the need of, of personal strength of will that you'll need to grow spiritually. Do you know growing spiritually takes character? It really does. You see, you may go out, you may pray every day, but at some point when you decided to pray every day, it was not a habit, it was not a ritual, it was not something you looked forward to, it was something you said, I need to do. And you began to do it. When you restrain yourself physically, you'll find it easier to apply the same, this, the same self-discipline in your spiritual life. 
This is one of the good things about fasting. The more you apply discipline into your life about this thing called food, and it's a pretty extreme discipline when you go extended fast, you, 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 you're, it's such a discipline. The truth is you'll have more discipline in other areas of your spiritual life. You'll probably read your Bible more. You'll probably pray more. You'll, you'll start to have, you, you know, I always wondered about this concept in, you know, when I was going uh, to school and, and, and to college, and they had these, these rules when I went to Memphis State. They, uh, we were getting ready to play our first JV game. I was a freshman, and they came through the locker room, and they started pointing out guys who were starters on the JV team and said, I, you don't play, and you don't play, and you don't play. And they, and they were like, why? And they, they had their grades from high school and said, your grades are not good enough to play right now. You've got to show us this first semester and bring your grades up. And, you know, so they would not let them, let them play. They wouldn't let them practice anymore. Wouldn't let them play anymore. You know, they, uh, uh, that didn't happen to me. Amen. Uh, matter of fact, they walked over to me and said, man, Hooker, what's up with you? And so uh, uh, the fact is, is that here's what I never understood, though. I had better discipline about my schoolwork while I was in the sport. You know, when I was playing football and we had to practice for three hours every evening after school or about that, about two and a half hours, and by the time you shower and get home, you know, I knew I only had an hour or two. Man, I had to, I had to crank it out. I had to get this stuff done. I had to get the work done. And I ended up graduating from high school. I played five sports in high school, and I graduated all of my high school with an overall 90 average for, for the entire four years. And what? I was playing ball all the time, but by my worst grades came when I was not playing. You know why? Because when I'm not playing, I come home at 3.30, and I lay around watching TV till 10 o'clock. But when I'm playing, there's a character built in me. Anybody understand anything I'm saying tonight? Okay, so now the benefits of fasting uh, rub off in your relationship with God. Normal exercise and a good balanced diet go hand in hand in my life. Although fasting is a physical activity, the practice affects you deeply on the spiritual plane of your life as well. In other words, the amount of restraint and willpower you practice physically has a tangible relationship to your willingness to submit to God's will. It's saying to God, I'm, I'm bowing to you, I'm submitting to you, for you to teach me, to humble me, to do with me what you want. Because I'm telling you, you go for a while without eating, and I don't care how bad you think you are, you won't think you're so bad anymore. Fasting increases concentration on, on God and on his will. Oswald Chambers once said that fasting means concentration because when you're fasting, you have a heightened sense of attentiveness to God. And can I just tell you, you do. There's a point where you cross over and you start to get a clarity, your closeness to God. And I'll say it so much so that you don't want to stop fasting. And I'll explain maybe that a little bit later. But food or any physical sensation can satisfy, fill you up, dull your senses and your spiritual ears. In contrast, a hungry stomach makes you more aware and alert to what God is trying to say to you. Fasting provides a real-life illustration of dependency. Although modern man thrives on the idea of being independent, beholden to no one, fasting helps you put the facts in the proper perspective. Listen to this. It's easy to believe in your independence when you have a full stomach. 
But when you start to feel hunger pains in your belly, after missing a meal or two, you awaken to your body's dependency on food to survive. You start finding out, you know what? I'm not, as I said, I'm not so in control of everything here. And it's such a good thing for God to break down our pride. And can I tell you, what I found out through fasting is we have layers of pride we never knew of. Fasting prepares you for a big decision or an important event. Time after time in the Bible, God's faithful spent time in fasting and prayer before a major decision or event in their lives. I went to to Africa, and Kobe and I were over there, and he would not know this. He doesn't know my, my son-in-law that well, knows him a little bit now, but, but uh, uh, Michael, I, I've never seen him that then, so maybe when he was about 18 years old and came to Bible college. You say, why? Because about three times already this, this year, of course, the year's about to end, but I think three different times he's fasted for 30, 40 days. And to some extent, uh, you know, almost to the point, I wonder if he's going to hurt himself physically, but it's because he's had so much of an intense battle and so much a need to know God's will. And when you're in a major decision, I challenge you to fast and pray. You know, Jesus, after getting baptized, he undertook a 40-day fast in the desert as a preparation to starting his ministry. Just before Esther, just before she put into her plan of action to risk her life in front of the king, she fasted with the people of Israel, called for a fasting. Fasting brings you in line with God to seek his will and to simultaneously show your devotion to him before the big event or decision occurs. Fasting often surrounds God's special work in the world. On occasion, God moves in the world in a special way. God interacted with the Israelites. Jesus' three years of ministry and the formation of the early Christian church. More recently, God has moved on occasion to bring people to him in what we commonly call a revival, an event where large numbers of people come to the Lord. But every revival known in America was preceded by fasting and prayer. Go study them and you'll find out. They were all preceded by fasting and prayer. We like to think they were preceded by great preaching, but they weren't. They were preceded by fasting and prayer. Fasting empowers. Fasting can also give you newfound strength in your spiritual life because of the intimacy you gain with God as a result. We first must have prayer, then we add fasting to prayer. If you notice, the disciples, they prayed. And they knew about prayer. They said, Lord, teach us to pray. Later, he's going to say, here's what you need to take care of the bigger things of life. Fasting and prayer. This kind comes out, not out, but by prayer and fasting. But this kind comes out as we fast to make ourselves humble to God and pray to bring ourselves close to God. And here's what I, I, I want to leave you. We can, we can easily get sidetracked during a fast and concentrate on the fasting to the point that we think the act of the will is what works the miracle. 
And I want you to understand, if you decide to fast for an extended amount of time, don't get caught up in the fast. Get caught up in God. And that's why I read to you those both passages. Because you see, in both cases, they, this demonic spirit is cast out. And one time, Jesus says to him, this kind cometh not out, but by prayer and fasting. The other time, he says nothing about fasting, he cast, cast him out. Now, without a doubt, Jesus had been praying and fasting. But the issue is, it's not the prayer or the fasting, it's Jesus that casts them out. What does prayer and fasting do? It brings us closer to him. It brings us in submission to him. We cannot get to the point where we think the act of the fasting will, will work the miracle. Fasting is simply an act of self-will that becomes no better than the Pharisees who fasted for attention if we're not careful. We must remember the one who truly brings out this kind. Our people are eaten up with this kind of attack, this kind of habit, this kind of addiction, this kind of sin, this kind of attitude. We must fast and pray that this kind might be removed. And that's why I believe God's led me to do this for Calvary Baptist Church. I believe if we're really going to, to I, I would, God is, I can't even say it. God has put something in my heart and my mind for this next year, what I believe he's going to do. But I believe he's only, only going to do it if we fast and pray because this kind, reaching this kind of city, reaching this kind of people that are overwhelmed with sin, that are they're, honestly, they're under the influence of demonic spirits, they're, 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 they're under the attack, they're under a, a hurt and abuse. These people, how are they going to be set free? Prayer and fasting. If a church gets close to God, if when we have Wednesday night prayer, we never have the service because people are not getting up. We will see the victory, or we'll not see the victory, not until we realize that this kind of evil that consumed the maniac was cared for by Jesus without the mention of fasting. The victory will not come because you fasted. The victory will be enabled because you fasted and prayed and got close to God. The victory must come by the power of Jesus Christ. He is the reason. He's the purpose. He is the victory. He is the answer. Jesus is always the answer it was Jesus that freed the maniac. It was Jesus that freed the woman at the well. It was Jesus who freed the two possessed of devils. It was Jesus who freed Mary Magdalene. Fasting is just simply getting us on the phone line, getting us connected to Jesus. Now, I'm going to give you just a little bit of illustration, a little bit about fasting. And I, I don't reach to anybody else's. I can just tell you. The, the very first time that God told me to an, an extended fast, we're not going to go that long. I don't know that whether I will or not. I'll never tell you that or not. But it will have. Um, but we're as a, as a corporate fast as 21 days. I think it'd be be wonderful. Uh, and again, I'm not asking anybody to do that. I'm not asking anybody here to to do that. But but when God spoke to my heart to do it, it was a time of big decision. It was a time of where I felt God was really challenging my heart about what my future should be. 
I was 15 years old. It was 2006. And I looked at it and I said, Lord, you know, I don't really have a lot of time. And whatever I do, whatever Joe Beth and I do, we need to, we need to know that we're doing it now. And I felt like God was really speaking to me. So I'd never been on an extended fast like this, but I just said, Lord, I'll, I will fast. And, 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 and God really started touching my heart to, to do an extended fast. Well, the longest I'd ever done was 10 days. So I thought, surely uh, it was 10 days. When, matter of fact, I was in a meal with Joe Best's parents. We were traveling on tour, and I was in a meal with her parents and, and Joe Beth, and, and God just said, this is your last meal. And I said, no, that's good. Uh, and, I mean, it was just that clear. This is it until I tell you again. And so I stopped eating that, that day. It was, uh, I think it was like July the 4th, July the 5th, something like that. On about the 15th was going to be a youth conference that year, and I was preaching on winning your family to Christ. And, and I thought, okay, Lord, you're going to have to be fast for 10 days again and, and so that I can preach and that God will work and, and that people will get saved and, 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 uh, and there's thousands going to be there, so I'm going to uh, do that. And so I, I began to, that fast, and, 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 and I thought, surely I'll get to that thing. I got all the way to that point to, to preach that sermon. I got through preaching that sermon, and, and God did bless. Uh, we had uh, quite a few family uh, members, dads and moms, phone calls, different things that are getting saved. And so I, I, I came to a big meal. I preached that morning, and about two hours later, they were going to have lunch, and I came and sat down. I said, okay, Lord, it's all done. They had a big spread. All the speakers and guests and everything were there, and every kind of food you can imagine is there. And, and, and I sat down, and I was all ready, had my fork in hand when God said, I told you not to eat until I tell you. And I laid my fork down. And I walked away from that meal thinking, I just preached. It's all done. And the Lord said, I'll tell you when to stop. Well, it was 20 more days, so it was 30 days into that when God said stop. Now, in that 30 days, I began to realize, and, and, and I'll just tell you, there's, and I'm going to give you a little handout, some just some things to help you with your fast if you decide to do it. But in that, in that 30 days, God just began to, I always, I started to picture myself like, a, like an onion. Every time you peel away a little bit, it's just, it's another layer. And you just keep peeling away layers and layers. And what it was, it was layers of pride. I mean, God took me to every different situation. I'd never played in the church softball league, but I was, at that time, I was out of the sailor ministry, and I'd always played with the sailors on Saturday night, and so my two son-in-laws said, you got to come play with us on our team, and, and man, I've been able to play sports my whole life, I'm, I'm good. I was 21 days into the fast in my first game, and I went out there, and I couldn't swing a bat, I couldn't catch a ball, I, I never been so embarrassed in my whole life. I got angry at myself. I thought, this is ridiculous. And I walked over to the side, and God said, when are you going to stop living off your own strength? And I thought, man, I thought I was over all this. It was area after area after area of my life he just started peeling away. 
And most of us, what we do, even sitting right here, you think, oh, I'm not proud. I have nothing to be proud of. No, you're proud of the fact that you have nothing to be proud of. No, it's there. I didn't feel like I did either. But God said, you do. And I'll be honest with you, if I learn nothing else, I learned that God will strip away. He'll break down your will and your pride. He'll just start peeling it away. And the longer you go, the more he'll peel away. And what will happen is, is that as you go through it, there'll come a point in time, if you go long enough, where you'll get to the point where every time you stop to talk to the Lord, you feel like the ceiling's been broken away. It's right there. And you can ask my wife, at the end of any one of my extended fasts, I look at her and say, I don't want to stop. So why do you? Because I can't figure that any of us are... I think Jesus made it real clear, 40 days is as long as a human being is supposed to go. And the truth is, medically, your body will go into starvation mode and it'll start feeding off itself. But the fact is, is that God uses fasting to bring us closer to Him. And it's something we can't understand. Now, I warn you, if you want to do it for an extended fast, the first three days are going to be torment. Okay, because your, your, your stomach will think your throat's been cut. It'll be screaming at you saying, hey, knucklehead, what are you doing? You just spent two weeks throwing something down me about every 37 seconds. And now you're giving me nothing? And it's rough. It'll even affect your attitude. You'll have a bad attitude. You might just be a little bit sharp. You may feel real weak. You may even get dizzy. You get through three days and it kind of eases up. And you'll go to about 10 days, honestly, and it doesn't really change. It's kind of stable. And it'll hit you again. And then you'll go probably to about 15 days and maybe not too bad. And you'll get to a point at about somewhere around 20. It's not too bad. You've gotten used to this. But then about 30 days, I'm going to just tell you, if you're ever going to head toward 40, about 30 days, you'll start questioning your Christianity. You'll start questioning why this is even worthwhile to do. You're seeing no benefit. You're doing nothing's happening. Nothing's good. You'll come under every kind of attack under the sun. But if you hang on, five greatest truths I've ever learned in my life was on the last three days of an extended fast. Each day, God taught me something that was transforming in my life. I'd never learned until I did it. Now, again, I will tell you, I'm not even asking anybody here to do an extended fast. You work, wait tables. It would not be real good for you to get real dizzy and drop a tray 
down on top of somebody. You, you don't have to be dizzy to do it. Um, I'm going to run through these, and then do they have these, or are these up here for me, Amy? Did, where'd you go, Amy? Is she in here? Did everybody leave me tonight? No, I work in the nursery. Okay, they're up here. Come here, fellas. I'm going to read these off to you. These are some tips about fasting. First of all, drink lots of filtered water. Filtered water. Just if you're going to do this, you might as well do it sort of right. Do it two quarts a day would be really good. You don't want to drink a lot of water anyway, but you need to drink good filtered water. Consume fruits and vegetables on the first day of the fast. No solid foods thereafter. Uh, so if you want to start Tuesday or maybe you start Monday with just kind of some fruits and vegetables uh, through the day that day, just kind of getting your body a little bit ready. Try not to drink, listen to me, try not to drink coffee, soft drinks, and, of course, alcohol. Okay? You don't put that kind of garbage in your body while you're cleaning your body out. Uh, juices. Juicing is best if you can't juice, and that's, you know, it's in our lifestyle and schedule. It's, uh, buy the best pre-made juice. Look for the most natural, least processed juice. Dilute the juices. Drink them slowly. Don't sip. Don't gulp. You get too much sugar. You got to drink them slowly. Dilute them. If you juice, do not remove the, the peeling. That inner white, like of an orange, got that little inner white peeling on its inside. Don't remove that. Uh, that's got a lot of nutrients inside. Best for juicing on a fast is things like cabbage, greens, dandelion root, dandelion greens, celery, carrots, lemons, limes, apples, beets, and berries. Uh, get this statement. You will get weak on a fast if you go very long, so limit your activity. Be careful what you do and, and how active you are. Um, if you become extremely weak or dizzy, you can try drinking, uh, drink a broth maybe uh, just to keep from doing solid foods and to keep close to your fast. If you have to do physical labor, and that's, that's the thing that where I differ. Some people say you're going to fast, you just do it water, you just do this, you just do that. Uh, I understand that Jesus probably just had water and at times no, you know, had neither water or, or uh, food. But also he's in a wilderness. Also, he was praying and fasting, and that was it, okay? If you're throwing boxes, if you're waiting tables, if you're working construction, if you're do then you've got to have some strength. Uh, I did an extended fast about 30 days into it. I went on my prayer walk, and um, I fortunately had my phone that night, had to call Joe Beth because uh, passed out, woke up on the side of the road, and she had to come pick me up because I didn't have strength to get back home. So... If you do have physical labor, I would say drink a protein drink to keep up your strength. If you're really trying to do a fast, then drink a protein drink to try to keep up your strength or do a limited fast of certain foods, you know, just fast certain foods. You may experience headaches. Listen, you, may, you will. You're, gonna, you're, you're probably going to experience headaches because we put too much garbage inside our bodies. So when we're cleaning out all the coffee, all the junk, if it's not going inside, you're going to get headaches. Uh, you're going to you even have skin problems or the coating of your tongue even might uh, get coated. Uh, the, your tongue may get coated while fasting. Uh, this simply signs that you're cleansing the toxins from your system. And listen to this. Please do this. Uh, a, a man in my church died because of this. So please listen to this. If you do a strict fast for extended days, do not break the fast with a big meal or meats. Start eating again with fruits and salads. 
somebody who was very close to our family up there went on a, I don't know if it was a 30-day or what, but he stopped, he went on a strict fast, and then he stopped it by going out and eating a big steak, and he died. Now, I, I don't know exactly what happened, but it's what happened to him. So just be very careful to break it properly. Um, I hope it helps you some. I, I just, I believe, and I'm done, I believe if, I believe if, if Calvary is going to take a step to reaching people, if Calvary, honestly, is going to fill up on a Wednesday night, if Calvary's going to, and, and if we fill up because we've reached people for Christ and more people have come and, and God's, I believe with all my heart, I believe we go out and we go someone in and we do everything that we're supposed to do. We, we go out and we visit. We send out, you know, letters to everybody that visits. We do everything that we physically can. But the truth is, God giveth the increase. And God gives the increase when we get a hold of God. When we're obedient to him to do the things we're supposed to do, he'll listen. But he needs us to be broken and submitted to him. And then he will do the great things, the miraculous things, the this kind. So it's just a challenge to you. You can join us as we start on this. And... and um, we're going to bring, begin it Tuesday, uh, officially Tuesday after uh, New Year's Day. All right. Well, the Bible wants you to close us in a word of prayer.